Thank you for listening to Sports Unfolded here on Anchor. We want to thank Anchor for everything they've done. It is easy to use, so I suggest everybody get out there and make a podcast, put it on Anchor, and show it to the world. So once again, thank you for watching Sports Unfolded on Anchor. Thank you very much. Hope to hear from you soon. Hey, welcome to Sports Unfolded, episode 13 of season two. I'm your host, Eric, main man right over there. Ron, how are you? Hello. I know every time you see that intro and you see Char holding that cup up, just a little bit of you gets, you know, excited about doing this show. Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> That's why we threw it in there, just for you. But we got tons to unfold this week, uh, especially in the NFL with our leadoff story. Leadoff story. That is... Uh, one Bruce Arians has decided to retire from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How do you think this is going to affect the team overall? Um, you know, I think, I think as a whole, I think they're going to still be fine. Um, cause you're basically still going to have everybody in place for the most part, like left, which, will still be the offensive coordinator. So I don't yeah, think it's going to affect the yeah. offense at all. Todd Bowles, I, de- I guess they named co-defensive coaches for yeah. defense. So they'll have uh, a double whammy on defense there. So he had an eight-year career, uh, five with Arizona, 49-30-1, and, and then three years with Tampa, 31-18. and 18. One Super Bowl championship, obviously the one he won when Tom Brady came over. Two-time yeah. AP Coach of the Year. His playoff record six and three uh lifetime. Todd Bowles, five years uh with the Jets, um, 26 and 41. So I would just question maybe overall his coaching acumen on if he's a listen, he's been around a long time, knows how to do a lot of things. So from a coaching standpoint, you know he knows his stuff. Um, it's just the message and how he's gonna be able to relay it to the team. But that's not my gripe with this whole move. And I told you I was, well, before we started that, I want to go on a little rant. And my rant is going to be about the timing of this and the NFL. The NFL to me is one of the most fixed leagues in the entire sports industry. Conveniently, Brian Flurries, who is suing the NFL for racial discrimination Somehow this move happens as though that lawsuit is going on and pending. To me, the timing just doesn't add up. The NFL is basically setting this up as, look, we do hire black coaches. We just did it. We just did it in Tampa Bay. I don't know if this is a legitimate move because it was best for the team or it's best for the league. And that kind of bothers me that, they seem to do this every single time something big comes up. Any big story that comes up, they somehow figure a way to, to mask it. Colin Kaepernick and how they masked it, right? And they, they, they all of a sudden it's like they all these rules came into play. You can't kneel. You can't do. They just do things to basically make sure the public continues to fund them. I understand you're a business and you're trying to make money, but at the same time, there's issues that are continuously going on in this league. Now they're, they're basically making teams either hire a woman or a, uh, uh, an ethnic 
coach on the offensive staff going forward. I, I feel like you're just forcing this now. It's not what you really want. It's what you're trying to force. And this move to me just portrayed that. I don't feel like this was a legitimate move. Listen, Bruce Arian, 69 years old. He was probably at the end of his rope anyway. People can say him and Tom Brady didn't have an issue. There was a feud. I don't think Tom Brady would have came back if he knew Bruce Arians was staying. Tom Brady knew before Todd Bowles knew that he was going to, that Arians was stepping away. It's all set up to basically look like the NFL is doing their justice of hiring racial, you know, ethnic coaches because they want to make sure that they're making this quota. I, I was disgusted by the move. Well, I mean, look, the NFL has a history of candy coating things to make it look good. You know what I'm saying? You know, whenever, like you said, these hot topics come up, you know, something is done just to candy coat it and just appease everybody. So this isn't, this isn't, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, trying to do the right thing and hire a coach that's qualified, you know, and, um, you know, going to lead the team to the promised land. This is the ownerships going to Tom Brady and saying, okay, what can we do to make you come back? Yeah. And this is Tom Brady saying, well, you know, I'm not really seeing eye to eye with Bruce Arians. So if he can somehow not be the head coach, I'd be all for that. Yeah. And so they went with Todd Bowles instead of Leftwich um, because of the experience factor. But, you know, that experience wasn't all that great because how many times did he lose to Tom Brady? It's going to be Tom Brady coaching this team to try to get them to a Super Bowl again because without Tom Brady and Brady and <laughs> Brady, um, uh, Arians isn't winning a Super Bowl. So I, I look at it this way as well. Think of, when I say the timing of it, if Bruce Arians legitimately was going to step away, why did he wait till they basically couldn't, they didn't hire a coach. They didn't go through a hiring process. No, they took somebody on their staff that was currently there because the timing of it, you're not going to sit there now and try to do interviews and hire a coach right before the draft. Right. Cause they didn't want to do that. Exactly. The NFL set this up with yeah. Tampa Bay and they just mask it because it'll make it look like, look, we've got another black coach in the league now. And, we're, yeah. we're, you know, Flores doesn't have a light to stand on. This is bogus. It's absolutely yeah, yeah. bogus. And none of these ESPN, NFL Network, any of them are going to say it. So we're going to say it. No, because it's a bogus hire. Yeah, because, you know, ESPN is owned basically by the NFL yeah. because that's their breadwinner, you know. Here they have the games on ABC and ESPN, you know, like the NFL has their hands in their pocket. And this is what ESPN has to do. They have to just go along with the routine. You know, we who don't have any hands in our pockets or money for that matter. <laughs> good, good point. We can say whatever the heck we want about whoever we want, and we don't leave any stone unturned. We say what the facts are, you know, and this has stink 
written all over it. Absolutely. And Flores, if anything, should should be a head coach somewhere, and he has to take this little dinky, you know, assistant defensive job in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just crap. And look, kudos to the Pittsburgh Steelers for you know bringing him in because you know they didn't have a spot for him. They wanted him though. Yeah. Like I could see him taking over for Mike Tomlin if Tomlin steps away. You know, that could happen. That could be the ultimate plan, you know, and, you know, congrats, you know, if that's if that's what they're planning, you know, because I give the Steelers a lot of credit for just bringing him in. And he's probably overpaid for that position, too, you know, but I give them credit for it. No, I listen at the the end of the day, um, I believe there was eight coaching positions available in the NFL. And it was none hard to went, believe he didn't get any of them. None of them went to a black candidate. Somehow now Arians retires and they slide a black candidate in. Yeah. If you can't see the writing, the, the writing in between the lines, then where you're more naive than I thought. Uh, you know, as a fan, you have to understand that what they're doing right now is they're just trying to cover up their mistakes. When yeah. it's a legitimate hire, where they go through an interview process and get hired as a head coach, then I'll say they're starting to to learn their lesson until then even these owners uh jerry jones now going through a legal situation where he's paying people we don't talk about it we just buried under the rug because guess what jerry jones makes millions of dollars for the nfl yeah it doesn't matter but let's go on to some nfl let's talk about the the better side of it well one of two of the better sides we're going to talk bobby wagner uh has signed a five-year 50 million dollar contract with the defending super bowl champion los angeles rams possibly up to 65 million with incentives. Does this move help them have a shot to repeat? Um, I think it makes them the favorite in the Western, uh, the um, NFC conference. I think it makes them the favorite uh, because you look at, you know, the other teams that are going to be out there. Um, Green Bay, they don't have that top receiver anymore. You know, so that's going to take away from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, they'll figure something out to put a, a, a rookie in there. But, again, it is a rookie. You know, and Aaron Rodgers can do it without that key guy. Yeah. Um, but he ain't, he ain't going to bring you to a Super Bowl without a key guy. Um, he can't do it with the can't key guy. With a key guy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a Hold on. You know, so... I I truly believe that that the Rams probably go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, no, and, like, no go, ahead, go ahead. He's two years younger, ninety-three tackles last season, um, okay. only one sack. But look, Von Miller's 33, 33 tackles, nine and a half sacks, five with the Rams last year in fifteen games. But you can't tell me that Bobby Wagner is not an upgrade at that position oh. for them. It's so, definitely an upgrade, I, and I, now. I, they have layers. They have somebody on that line. They have somebody, you know, as a linebacker, and they have somebody in the secondary. So there's layers there, and most teams can't say that. Now, yeah. I know a lot of teams improved in the league, but they improved their line and or, you know, defensive back, but their linebackers might still be suspect. Or they, they improved the line, and they're like defensive backs – are suspect. So no, and I, and I like the fact but they that they get a look, layer. Seattle 
went to back-to-back Super Bowls. Granted, they lost the second one. But if you talk about the experience now that he can basically come into with the Rams and say, look, this is what our mistakes were, or this was some of our struggles to get back to the Super Bowl, that helps them from that standpoint as well, the experience. I thought this was a great signing for them. I really wanted him to come to New England. I did too. Um, And and it just didn't happen. (laughs) I was hoping. So, uh, again, the rich get richer when it comes to that. But we're going to talk about the new NFL overtime rule that was adopted. Um, both Doing sides this overtime now... crap. They, no matter what the rules are, they all suck all because right. football so, is just designed that way. So this is only implemented in the playoffs. It will not be during the regular season, but both teams now will receive possession of the ball Definitely. before they go to sudden death. Please let me start this because I am legitimately... I, I, I thought I was upset about the Bruce Arians thing. This overtime thing is is absolutely the biggest joke I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Because what's the rule now, Ron? Um, Team that gets the ball. Yeah, first, if they if score, they score a, touchdown, a touchdown. Game's over, right? Game's over, yeah. So now what we're going to do, and this is all because of that Kansas City-Buffalo game, and people yeah. are like, oh, Buffalo didn't have a shot. Okay, so let's let's go back into the future now. Uh, back into the past. I'm sorry. Back into the past. And let's replay this game now with this new rule in place. Guess what happens? Josh Allen goes down the field, scores a touchdown. Guess who gets the ball again? The Kansas City Chiefs. Guess what happened? They score a touchdown. Game over. It's the same exact rule. It didn't yes. change. It just gave the other team the ball to score yes. down, to, to do the same thing. And then people are going to complain. Well, if they got the ball again, they didn't change anything. No. It's the same rule. No, and see, this is this is the thing about football. You know, as wonderful of a game as it is, overtime could ne- will never, ever be fixed because it can't be fixed because of the nature of the game. Because I don't want to get kicked. You know? I told Look, you, field goals. And, and I get that. I personally would like to do, you know, a two-point conversion type thing with the quarterback. You know, and and maybe no linemen, maybe just go out there, you know, <laughs> you know, four on four with your receivers and your quarterback and do it that way. Oh, my gosh. You know? But it's never going to be fixed because of the nature of the game. See, like, you know, basketball, you know, hockey, they have that overtime and it gets decided. Simple. Very simple. Hockey, you score the goal, you win the game, you know, because they swap, you know, possession. Baseball has the innings set up for this. That's what it has. It has the innings. You play until somebody wins, right? Well, in football, it kind of doesn't work because one team has possession of the ball. And is it fair, whoever gets the first the first crack at it, I don't know. I don't know if it's fair or not because, you know, it's a coin, a to- a, a coin toss to decide who gets the ball first. But, but okay, so now it's whoever gets the third possession. That's right. all they did. They legitimately. Didn't yeah, I know. Anything. So it, it's like it, football it's can pointless. never be fixed. It's not a good game. They don't want it to be fixed. It's not a good game to go into overtime. And then, and then why only in the playoffs? So now you got all these teams during the regular season. And it's going to be the same argument. Like, why didn't we have this rule? Why did so-and-so lose this game? And it, it, I don't understand why they even bother doing this. 
Yeah. You can, like I said, you can either have the quarterback solve it or the kicker solve it in overtime. Nobody is going to be happy no matter what you do. Let's start a campaign because obviously they, they buck under pressure. Right. And let's, let's just say, I want, I want this field goal thing to be a legitimate thing because I think if we make enough stink, you get the field goal kickers, you let them kick uh, 20, 30, 40, 50, first one to miss. That's it. You win the game. Something to make and it And go without game. linemen. Right. Do it without linemen. Yeah. Just let the guys come rush at them so, 15 yards. And if they yeah. can block it, great. Whatever. I don't yeah. care. But I don't like give that. me the same thing and tell me it's different. You're going to have to sign 20 kickers, you know, because <laughs> they're going to get killed. It's like it's like <laughs> I'm going to the dealership right now. And hey, here's the new, brand new 2023 Ford Mustang in green. But this one's different because it's yellow. It's the same car. It's just a different color. You didn't yeah. change anything. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they've got a, I, I don't know. It, it's just a stupid rule that they should have never football, even wasted. Football their time. stinks in overtime. It you know stinks in overtime. Billions, Ron. Billions. They don't care. They don't care yeah. what the fans think. They don't care. Because guess what? Next year, people are going to complain about this this rule, and they'll. we don't know if we want to change it. We'll, you know, for this matter, okay. So, why don't. We'll buy it up right now. Why don't they just go until, you know, the score is different at the end of a quarter? And I don't care if you have to sit there and you have to play five extra quarters. I th- play a full quarter, whatever the score is. If it's still I agree tied. with you on the two-point conversion. Make it a two-point conversion. Yeah, Look, it, I think the, ways, per- you know? the percentages are lower to make a two-point conversion. Whatever team, so you have to go for two. If you if you miss, the second team can go and kick an extra point yeah. to win it. Whatever, like I, I don't know something, but it, that stupid, dumb rule, dumb rule. No, I, I don't, I don't like the rule. What's I around the corner? You Ron? know this. I complained, yeah. complained about it all I year. I know, and I, I, triple play time, my friend. And right around the corner is MBL, uh, MLB baseball. So excited to get baseball going again. Tuesday, we have our Major League Baseball preview show that's going to be intense. A lot going on with that. We're yeah, very definitely want to tune in for that if you're a baseball fan. So much going on. So much going on. And it'll be our first ever top five baseball team. So we're already going to predict who's our top five going in. Can't wait. Can't wait. Oh, for the for for the rankings, power rankings, okay. our power rankings will be I was out like, Wait a on Tuesday <laughs> released for the first time. Still yeah, tweaking. Yeah. It might, something might change. Some trades have happened, some things. So teams might move. We're still going, but our triple play, since we're, we're getting into that major league baseball season, we decided to take the Dodgers starting pitchers who are very good. There's three very good starting pitchers. And we're going to decide who we start bench and cut. And that's Walker Bueller. Uh, Julio Arias and Clayton Kershaw. You are first this week, my friend. So let me know who you're starting, who you're benching, and who you're this is. This is a tough one because very tough because they they um, have very good numbers, all of them. So, yes, and so I'm going to read off some of the numbers before I even place them. Okay, so Bueller, 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 Fry. Fry, um. 40 and 13 career, 2.90 ERA. Uh, obviously, won a World Series, and I can't read my writing, so I have no idea what that says. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and uh, Urias or yes, Urias, uh, thirty-two and ten, three point zero nine one World Series win, of course. And um, then there's Kershaw, one hundred and eighty-five and eighty-four. Obviously, been around. Very good. 2.49 career ERA, one MVP, three Cy Young Awards, um, eight-time All-Star, um, one World Series win in all that time, went it with the other two guys, um, a gold glove, and five ERA titles wow. as credit. But last year... 3.55 ERA. Mm -hmm. And that's the number that scares me with him. So, with that being said, I worry about his his dur durability for one. He's, what, 34 years old now? Yes. So, he's getting long in the tooth. Very, very uh, injury prone. Very injury prone. So even though those numbers are great, except for last year, you can always expect a bounce back. But will he make it through the year? So because I'm not sure of that, I have to go with Bueller as my starter. Okay. Um, look, he's just a fantastic pitcher. I mean, he's fantastic. Had a great year last job, year. Yeah, he gets the job done. He gets the job done. He was that top uh, pitcher last year when yes. it came to strikeouts. Yes, and two point nine zero, I'll take. Yeah, I'll take. Without a doubt, anything because under there's not many pitchers that can do yeah. that. So the the question is the, the bench, the bench. and with this, I'm going to bench Kershaw because of what he could possibly do. Wow, and I know. Look, I know. Way, I know the numbers. On this kid is 32 and 10. His ERA 3.09. Um, you know, it's only been a couple of years, so yeah. he, he has still those same doubts. You know, with him, I don't think it's a durability; is whether he's going to maintain that. You know, yeah. now that he's been around a couple of years, some of the batters might be able to tee off. Instead of, you know, not knowing what he's going to do. And um, so I got to go with Kershaw as my bench because what he can do, because if he does go back to, you know, two years ago, even though he was hurt, it was still like sub 2.5, okay. you know, I'll give you, and I would, take, I would take that, you know, that chance that he could just be dominant. I will take okay. the chance. All right. All right, so a uh, little bit different. Um, I looked at what they did last year. Yep. Um, so I, I still started Beulah. I agree with you. 33 games, yeah. 16 and four with 212 uh, strikeouts. Yeah. Uh, Julio Arreyes, yeah. I actually benched. And 32 games, he was 20 and three last year. Believe me, I was thinking of that. So here's my, yeah. my concern would be Kershaw played 22 games last year, was 10 and eight with 144 yep. strikeouts. I feel like, He's the one guy of these three. When we're going to talk about our preview show, Manny's following. Thank you. Um, 
when we talk about the our baseball preview show on Tuesday, when we're going to talk about this starting rotation, I'm going to say he's going to be the one guy that's probably out. Because the other two have played basically their full seasons for the last yeah. couple of years, and he's been injury prone. So that's the only reason why I would cut him. Because like you and, said, he's so heavily decorated. Right, right. That so, just- and that's just it. You know, Do I think he can bounce back? I think he can, but he's got to stay healthy. He's yeah. got to stay healthy. Because I think, you know, maybe his numbers were a little ballooned because of missing all that time last year. I mean, the previous year. Yeah. So it could have been ballooned because of not pitching a lot. And, you know, he didn't have that velocity or that location, you know, that he's used to. And it might take a pitcher that loses the velocity a year or two to figure out how to pitch. Yeah, it's going to be. And I think that's I think that's where Kershaw is in this stage 34 years old he's lost something on his fastball now he has to pinpoint it and if you look back i compare to greg maddox greg maddox was just a dominant pitcher for so long and throughout his time you know he kind of started relying on the curveball, the change up and stuff like that, you you know, because, you know, you're not going to have that velocity forever. And Maddox prepared himself for it. And that was the big difference between these two. Maddox prepared ahead of time. I think, like you said, the problem is with him being out, sometimes he's unable to adjust because he's not able to change it because he's missing. I want to thank Manny for the, the bits. Thank you. Appreciate that. Let's uh, let's move on to some NBA. We're going to bring this uh, this athlete up, and that's uh, one very important piece for the Boston Celtics, Robert Williams III, who has suffered an injury, which is, should keep him sidelined. What they're saying, four to six weeks. Um, how do you feel this affects the Celtics' chances advancing in the playoffs? Well, they'll make the playoffs. I mean, that's not even a, a no. Question. It's advancing in the playoffs, so he's probably going to so, miss at least round one of the playoffs. Look, and this is why the Celtics have to, you know, maintain that good play that they're they've been accustomed to the last month or so. You know, yeah. they've lost they two have to, since he's been out. Yeah, they have to get into that top three. Um, I I would be worried if they have to play Brooklyn in the first round. Nah, it won't happen. Brooklyn's too far down. Right yeah, now, they're scheduled to play Toronto. Which would be exactly. more concerning to me because now there's a lot of questions on the vaccination status of some of the players, including uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, so we may not have some key players besides Robert Williams if that's our first round matchup. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd still take that over having to play Brooklyn. You know, I, I'm not and, as bold on Brooklyn as I thought I would be. And I think some of it's because. I am I am walking look Milwaukee which who we're going to talk about looks just like they're taking off now at the right time. That's what I said. I told you Milwaukee is, be, is a scary I'm team. I'm very concerned when you're trying to replace 10 points, 9.6 rebounds and 2.2 uh, two blocks. So he yeah. leads the team in rebounds and blocks. Al Horford has had a very good season for Boston. Now you're asking Grant Williams and, and Daniel Tice to be that facilitator in between 
you know, Al Horford. It's it's a lot to ask. Yeah. This kid, I, I really like Robert Williams. I think he's he's such a talent. The I problem is you. the same thing we were just talking about with Kershaw, though. He he's injury prone. He he's just brittle. cannot stay healthy. He's brittle. Yeah, and it, it's just it's it's killing this team because as is are, Brown. Brown is yeah. brittle too. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's what you got to fear more than anything. I think it doesn't matter who they're going to play. Are they going to be a full squad? In a perfect world, the Celtics wouldn't be brittle and they wouldn't have to play a fourth quarter. Yeah, there we go. All right. Perfect world. All right. So let's make that happen. <laughs> you know, they'll win by 20 every single night if you only play three quarters. Three quarters. The Celtics guaranteed win every time. <laughs> Stop the game each time. So, um, <laughs> What about the team, the Milwaukee Bucks? So they just beat Brooklyn last night. Uh, they're only a half game out of first place now. Should the East be on notice with the Bucks? Yes, absolutely. Look, they have a they have a great bench. You know, it's nobody that look. They don't have, you know, many guys that, you know, stand out in a crowd. You know, if you put a bunch of basketball players on the court. You know, it would be hard to, you know, pick out who the Milwaukee Bucks are. You know, you got Giannis. two or three guys, right? You got Giannis. Everybody knows who Giannis is, you know. And then it's kind of, you know, quietly going through the season. You put up great numbers, but nobody knows who you are. And that's what they do. They, they kind of... They kind of go into games where you just don't expect them to be as good as they really are. And it's like, you look at the names, it's like, oh, I don't even know who these people are. And But you find out who they are after the game is over because they all contribute, you know, in a way that goes unnoticed because of Giannis is so dominant, you know, in how he plays. It's like you always notice him because there's always something big that he does in a game. Whether it's now a step back three that he's got. Yeah. You yeah. know, all of a sudden. You know, and that's that's the thing. He's trying to improve. He wants to win and he's hungry. He's still hungry. Yeah. So and when Giannis is, wants to eat, he's gonna eat. Oh yeah, and, that, and that's what I said. Look, um quietly they're twenty games over five hundred now, fourth yeah. in the league in scoring, which you wouldn't expect. You think more defense with Milwaukee. They're actually middle of the ground defensively. But Giannis has taken off now as the, again, he's looking to be a three-time MVP because he's tied for the league lead in scoring. Yep. You, 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 30% shooting from threes, which doesn't sound good, but you think about where he was and he's increased his free throw shooting by 2%. So he's at 72%. So it's not as easy as just following him and then making him miss at the line because he's making those shots. And you saw it again last night. He is starting to take off and dominate. He's he reminds me, I'm not talking build wise, but when you talk about domination, a shack where there's just a guy you can't stop. Right. And Giannis is turning into that guy now. Like he kind of just coasted through the season. And it's like, wait a minute, it's time now. We've got to make our run. And you can see there's nobody that can stop him. Well, you look at look at the point where the Celtics started playing well. If you if you remember, the Celtics were a couple of games behind Milwaukee, who was barely above, you know, the yeah. play-in game. And it's like, you know, there was a lot of people talking how Milwaukee doesn't have that that drive this year, right? Well, you know, 
coming down the stretch, who doesn't have that drive? You know what I mean? It's like Milwaukee is right there. They, they're playing just as well as the Celtics have been. And they have themselves right in the thick of things. And then you get teams like Philadelphia who, you know, after the trade, we're like, oh, my God. Yeah. They just got better. And they did. But (laughs) but they're not. Yeah, it didn't take very long for that to fall off. No. No. Look, they they have the the championship uh, pedigree to win. Uh, I would be very scared. I told Boston, I'm more afraid of Milwaukee and what they can do. Because, again, who's defending Giannis? Especially if you don't have Robert Williams. Right, that that right. just that really is going to hurt them. But I I think the Bucks uh, have a shot to repeat. I mean, if they continue to play this way, the West is tough though. Could we see the repeat of uh, Phoenix and Milwaukee in the finals? It could be. Right? That'd be pretty it could fun. Be. That'd it be. Could it was be. a good series. It was a good series. Let's talk some Major League Baseball, Ron, and let's bring up Jake Degrom. So he's experiencing some shoulder tightness, and he's now they're saying at least four weeks he's going to miss. Uh, if you're the New York Mets, how concerned are you with this injury? I'd be very concerned because when you take a look at the Mets organization, you know, they've had some great pitchers in in New York for for a while now. Yeah. But every year they have injuries. And I'm beginning to think that it's something organizational you know, that is the reason why they keep having injuries with their pitching staff. I don't think, you know, I don't know if it's been the same, you know, pitching coach, trainers, you know, all of the whole, you know, aspect of the fitness. Um, If it's been the same for the past, how long? I don't know. I don't know. But I'd start questioning on things that they do. Because this is this is an occurring problem, a reoccurring problem every season with the pitching, and they had to basically let Syndergaard walk away because yep. of those problems. And look, if Syndergaard doesn't have any problems this year, you got to look squarely on your your training um, methods and how you handle the pitchers. Because to me, that's the problem. So, yeah, look, the, the it, it just happens too much. 15 games last season was seven and two with a 1.08 ERA. So you think yeah. about what he was doing, 146 strikeouts was dominating. Right. But then he had several injuries and then they finally shut him down in July. Yeah. And this so is I what I'm saying. I think yeah. there's something with their philosophy of how they train, you know, how they use the pitchers. Um, maybe even, you know, what pitches they're throwing at certain times. So I think they really start needing to figure this out because I'm thinking that it's their fault. Yeah, and it, you, you might be right. Listen, they they picked up, though, in the starting rotation on Max uh, Scherzer. So that's a very big move, right? right. And DeGrom would be a number two. Chris Bassett, Bassett who was 12-4 and four last year with a 3.15 ERA. Yeah. Um, after that, there's some questions. So you got t- three top guys without Degrom that really hurts their chances. I mean, the yeah. Mets have made a ton of moves, but um, you know, Carlos Car- uh, Carrasco, one point five, uh, one in five with a six point oh four ERA, and Tijuan t- Walker was seven and eleven with four point four seven ERA. So I don't think those two guys replace what you lose when Degrom's out. No, 
Um, but again, you know, I haven't watched either of them in spring training yet. So it could be a case of they have good stuff and they're hoping that those guys put it all together. And that's, that's a lot of the cases around the league. I mean, look, when you talk about Oakland, this is, this is what they bank on. They bank on those pitchers that have a good promise, you know, and they generally pan out for Oakland, (laughs) but you know, those, seem to fall by the wayside when you're talking New York because they keep running into these injury problems with the pitching staff. And again, I, I'm, I'm thinking it is their philosophy on how they're handling the pitchers. Uh, I think they really need to take a look at it because this is, this is too often. It's yeah. too often. Yeah. You know, I can understand if it's, you know, a guy that's always injury prone, Chris Sale, you know, and it's, you know, that is, you know, an obvious thing. But this is like, it seems like every time they get a good pitcher, I mean, you look, you, you go back, Harvey. Yeah. You know, as far back as that, that they've always had problems with their pitching staff. Now, Scherzer is there. Now, he's relatively healthy his whole career. If he starts having problems... We know what it what the problem is. No, and I don't think anybody's gonna tell it. Max Scherzer how to pitch. So yeah. he's gonna do his thing. Yeah. But yeah. if he starts having a problem, it's it's the organization for sure. No, no I, I, I I like where you're headed with that. Let's talk about um another organization that's honestly making some moves. That's the Los Angeles Dodgers, who we didn't think they could uh stack up anymore. There was a question about their uh their bullpen with especially the closer. Um, they seem to address that today with a trade with the White Sox. Uh, so they are actually sending AJ Pollock to Chicago for closer Craig Kimbrell. We all know what Kimbrell did here in Boston and what he meant. And the Dodgers losing Kenley Jensen, who was that closer last year, 38 saves. Kimbrell, 24 saves in a spot role with Chicago. He only had one save with Chicago. Um, yeah. So to me, again, obviously not used enough in Chicago. Uh, they did really well with uh, Liam Hendricks, who um, had 38 saves and became the closer in Chicago. Right. Does this now, this move, make the Dodgers almost un- unbeatable? Look, Kimbrell, is, he's a, a great closer. Um, I know he had the last year in Boston, he had a tough year. But last last season... He put it all together. He came, you know, he had a, a resurgence. And he's 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 got loads of talent. He can close games. Um, I'd look for him to get 40 plus. You know, I, I mean, the team is going to be good. You know, yeah. it's going to be really good. <laughs> you know, we, will they be able to win the World Series? You know, it's a guarantee from the, the coach. Yeah. So. The manager, you know, but when you throw that guarantee in spring training, so let me you're gonna head for disaster this, because I can already see it, Eric. I can see it. Kershaw gets hurt, <laughs> you know, you know, maybe, maybe some of the hitting, you know, doesn't live up to their contracts, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it could be a disaster of a season. Last year was a disaster of a season because they didn't win the World Series. Yeah. And they basically buying a World Series ticket. 
Yeah. And if they don't make it again. And AJ Pollock in this deal isn't a slouch. I mean, you batted 297, no. 21 home runs, 69 RBIs, and he's extremely good defensively. So yeah. Chicago got a very good player. And yeah. the White Sox, we consider one of the top teams in the Central. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's a benefit for both sides. This was a good trade on both sides. It, yeah, because I, I don't think need either one favored uh, the other, you know? And Chicago has a lot of young arms that are coming, you know, coming yeah. up. And I, I, they're banking on somebody stepping up into a setup role, you know, because they don't need a closer. No. So why pay all that money for a guy that you may not need? You know, of course, injuries can happen, and then they might end up kicking themselves. But you don't know. You just got to go with with what you need to win. And you need right up the middle, catcher, pitcher, second and short, center fielder. That's what you need to win a World Series. That's what you need. No, absolutely. Uh, so once again, if you enjoy what you're watching, check us out every Friday night as we are live. We're fan interactive. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. We are live. Again, we are fan interactive. If you decide to uh, join us, you can definitely uh, chime in, and we will make sure that uh, we chime back. Uh, follow us on social media at Sports Unfolded on Facebook and Twitter, at Broadcasting RI on Twitter, Sports underscore Sports underscore Unfolded on Instagram. Listen to us on our podcast if you don't have time to watch on Amazon, Anchor, Google, and Spotify, and now tune in. Uh, Discord is up for Sports Unfolded right there, so uh, all our ranking come up on there as well as the shows so if you want to watch them on discord you can do that if you want to follow rhode island broadcasting discord where you can get all the shows that are being broadcast on rhode island broadcast that's the link right there check it out uh we do a lot with discord now we've got a lot going on with that if you'd like to sponsor the show email us at ribroadcasting.media at gmail.com it's less than a cup of starbucks coffee uh the other day i went to starbucks and got a cup of coffee it's it is pretty expensive so it's less than that and you'll have thousands of eyes on your business and you'll be able to help us continue to grow ours as well so uh yeah we got 50 bits today i want to thank manny for those uh continue to chime in on twitch make sure that you know send some bits send some love we we, we appreciate that we're going to go on to your number one topic my friend and that is the NHL, and we're going to talk about Uh-oh. Austin Matthews. Uh-oh. And I, I feel like you're going to go off on a tangent as well, but uh, we're going to bring him up on the screen because I, I want to see that stash. I love that stash by him. Look, oh, he didn't oh, have yeah. a stash there. Yeah, no stash there. He has. Uh, he scored his 50th goal of the season. And he has a bent stick. Yeah. And so <laughs> are we sleeping on how good he can be? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, like, I think he's probably the best offensive player. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd put him as the best offensive player in the league right now. And I know McDavid with with 100 points, you know, but this guy is a goal scorer. This this guy can so – he's so talented. Yeah, 249 goals in 396 games. So he currently sits 42nd in active scorers in the league. And I was like, oh, that's not very good. But then I started to look at the other guy. Like six years? So Louis Erickson 
from Arizona is currently ahead of him. So in the 41st spot. Oh, my God. He's got 252 goals. Wait, wait. He just passed him. (laughs) (laughs) As we speak. The thing is, Ron, Erickson's been has played in 1,035 games. Yeah. Austin, Austin Matthews has done it in 396 games. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Look, look, you know, I'm not a Maple Leafs fan, you know, but I don't hate the Maple Leafs. I think their organization just needs to get things straight and how to figure out how to win a Stanley Cup. And I didn't got to give this, they got to give this man some help. He's an American help. Too. I didn't even realize yes. American. And that's why I don't I don't kinda, dislike him. I don't yeah. dislike him. I, I, it's yeah. just I, I tried to, as I was doing my research, put him against some of the greats. And un- unfortunately, when you start looking at Gretzky's numbers and the fact that he got like 90 plus goals one season, I'm going, is that even possible? That's video game stuff. And yeah, then the, Lemieux, I was like, oh, let me check Lemieux. And Lemieux had a 90. If Lemieux goal. didn't get hurt, he'd probably put up the numbers that Gretzky yeah, did. Just unreal. But I, I think they're sleeping on this kid. I think he's the next big star, Austin Matthews. I, I yeah, really and that's why like... I say I would take Austin Matthews over McDavid. Yeah. Truth be told. Look, I love McDavid's speed, his abilities, but he hasn't figured out, you know, what the defensive end even is. You know, Austin, Austin Matthews is starting to figure that stuff out. You know, he's starting to figure out, okay, we need to do this to win a game. And it isn't it isn't just about him because when he was out for that suspension, the team won both games. And and I have to think that Austin Matthews was part of them winning those games. You know, like he's he's trying to get these players to play a certain way. You know, yes, you want to play up tempo and stuff like that, but you got to take care of your own end. And you know, from what I see, his growth is that is getting better. It's getting better. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think he's going to be on the top of that goal scoring list um, for years to come. He'll battle it out with a couple of players. You know, Drysaitel. Yeah. You know, McDavid. Um, and Pasternak will be up there. You know, Pasternak started a little slow this year, but, you know, he's right up there, you know. So, but Austin Matthews, he's fantastic. And and this is where I lead into the rant. It's like, those of you in Pittsburgh that swear that Crosby oh, is still the best player in the league, wake up, smell the coffee. Because as it sits right now, you are tied in 19th for points. And you have a guy on your team that literally is probably better than Crosby, but doesn't get the recognition that he's better. And that is Malkin. So you have a superstar with you, and you still are 19th in points. There's no way you are the best player in the league. You're not even in the top 10 in the league. So wake up, smell the coffee. I'm not saying Crosby's not a good player. I'm not saying that. You know, he's a fantastic player, but he's not great. Great players lead the league in something. And he's only led the league in points twice in his whole career. That is not a great player. That's a very good player. 
So uh, Crosby can <laughs> disappear. Let's talk some Boston Bruins. So I, obviously they are a local team, and I know you follow them uh, as much as possible to get all the information you can. So they've they've had an interesting week. So we're going to just kind of review it real quick. Uh, the loss to Toronto, 6-4, in an obviously important game for playoff positioning. What what went wrong there? Um, okay, that's I can sum that up in three words. Grizzlick. Um, um, oh, my God, I can't even think of his name now. Um, Clifford and Carlo. <laughs> and that's three. There you go. You got your three. They were horrible in that game. Clif- Clifton was literally responsible for three of the goals. Coughing it up, just making bad plays, handing it all over to Toronto. And you can't you can't turn it over in your own end to Toronto. They're too talented. Yeah. You know, uh, Carlo again, twice. He was responsible for two goals. One of them was literally dumped right in front of the net. And what do you want a goaltender to get do? You can't do anything. And Grizzly coughed up the puck many times in that game. You know, most of them didn't turn out to be a goal, but it just kept that sustaining pressure on them. And, you know, that was the reason why. Those three players played horrible, and it they couldn't get out of the hole. It was too big. Gotcha. You know, when, yeah, when they decided to play, yeah, yeah. yeah that, like the Bruins made a – a good comeback, you know. They they brought it to six four, which was amazing because they started playing with ten minutes left in the game. Yeah, <laughs> I was getting so frustrated. But you know, last week I called out the the Toronto Maple Leafs and said, "This is your opportunity now," and they they pulled it out. They did it. Okay. You know, they still have a problem in their defensive end. You know, Giordano can only do so much. Um, but that defense is bad. And they're not the, – the wingers are not coming in deep enough to help out those defensemen. So they still have some problems, and they have problems with goaltender. Like, they do. You know, let's make no no mistakes about that. They are not going to win with their goaltending. And so that's – Speaking of, yeah, speaking no, of goaltending, what about the Tuka Rask uh, ceremony? How was – how did you You know, I, I didn't even get a chance to see it because I was filming Pop Ascension hey, while it was happening. You missed it. You so missed, I missed it. it. All right. What about the big win uh, for the Bees last night, 8-1 against New Jersey? Is that more of them bouncing back from a bad loss, or is that more about New Jersey just being such a bad team? Well, maybe a little bit of both. Mostly they bounce back because if you take each individual player – like, first of all, after the loss of Toronto, I told you they were going to sit Forbert and Clifton. They sat him. Clifton may not get into the lineup again. He might not get back in there. Because um, Riley and Brown, who came in for those two, played extremely well. Brown is mammoth. Like, I, I think the Bruins could actually put the biggest team on ice, <laughs> you know, in that defensive core, you know, I think maybe Riley and Forbert will probably swap in and out um, because Forbert is a pretty good defenseman. Um, I think, I think Forbert played well against Toronto. It wasn't his fault, 
um, he's just a casualty because they wanted to get these guys in. And, yeah. uh, you know, so the defense played extremely well. And let's face it, the, the top three lines were all over the place, putting pressure on on top of pressure, on top yeah. of pressure. And they just took it to him. And, you know, they had Felino and Smith was were also out of that game. So they brought up that kid, McLaughlin. First game in the NHL. Yeah, he scored, uh, right? And a goal. Yeah. It was a nice play by Frederick. He, you know, blocked a, a pass and then broke in and seen him out there. He was like, I was passing all the way because I wanted him to get the goal. You know, that's an unselfish. And I look, I love the way Frederick plays. Uh, I think he's he's got some skill, and he's got that that heart of Terry O'Reilly in him. And good. you know, so they they looked good. So it was a lot of them bouncing back, pu- putting up eight goals. Marshan looked good. Pasternak always looks good. Yeah. You know, look, there was nothing to complain about in that game. There was nothing. Even Omar played well. That's saying something for me. So there's another team in Boston, though, that plays some hockey. And uh, you have championship hockey, right? Championship hockey. The Boston Pride, uh, they are the um, NWHL. Yes. So they won the Isabel Cup. The Isabel. Yeah. And uh, so we just wanted to congratulate them going back to back. Uh, They are a uh, women's hockey league, professional women's hockey league. Uh, they played uh, Hartford, which was the had the best record in the league, and ended up winning that uh, championship, which is really great for them. So, um, yeah, like you should see the numbers. What a difference from the regular season to the the playoffs for them. All right, during the regular season, Eric, their power play was six percent. Not very good. Not very good. You know, so it showed in the standings. They finished yeah. third overall. Um, in the playoffs, sixty-seven percent clip. Well, that's a that's a little bit of a difference. You can't lose with that good of a power play. Yeah. <laughs> you can't lose. You know, it's like it's that's they scored five goals a game in the playoffs, two point five during the regular season. Wow, like that's amazing. And you know, Callie Flanagan had two goals, three assists in those three games played. Um, look, next season I, I'm gonna have to watch watch all their games because this team is, you know, was dominant in the playoffs, dominant, and uh, you know it's exciting. Like no, it's fun to get another championship teams that you don't really, you know, know yeah. about. We're trying to get some of those those teams some coverage. We did uh, yep. the Massachusetts Pirates, the Providence Pirates. Now we got the uh, the Boston Pride. Uh, so we're trying to find some of these local teams that may not have. Being as big of a, yeah, you know, industry from a sports standpoint, but guess what? They're playing. They're playing some really good uh, hockey. Yeah. So Boston has one championship already this year. There we go. See, there we go. So let's look at uh, some NCAA basketball, my friend, because there's some uh, some games coming up of importance. I don't know. So there's some Final Four matchups that are scheduled. Some start t- today. The the women's bracket today and tomorrow the men's bracket so we'll talk really quick uh because we got to do some predictions so we won't give any anything away but uh number one kansas takes on number two villanova 
My question would be, is the injury to, to Justin Moore, who's their second leading scorer, can Nova overcome that? You know, that's that's a big loss for them. Kansas has played some good basketball in this tournament. Yeah. Um, I am I, – I, I think they're in – they're in deep trouble without having him. Yeah. They're in deep trouble. They're going to have to have everybody is going to have to step up and do more. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if that's that if they're going to be able to. Yeah, and they're not very deep. They don't. They don't. I think they only play like no. seven guys. So uh, it'd be interesting because that's a lot of wear and tear. What about number two Duke uh, at number eight North Carolina? So obviously a rematch of Coach K's last game at. Uh, you yeah. know, at home and what how that all transpired. So I'm really interested just to see how a Duke's motivation is for this one. Um, but then you look at it's never happened before with these two teams facing in the yeah, it's, four, it's, so. uh, that's amazing. And you think that, about the history, right? Yeah, like it's amazing. Like I would have thought they would have played many times because they've you know perennial yeah, you know, contenders. Yeah, powerhouses. So this may be Coach K's last game. We don't know. We're going to have to watch tomorrow night and find out. Women's bracket, Louisville faces South Carolina. So Dawn Staley and what she's been able to do with South Carolina, really excited to see if uh, she can hold on uh, at least two more games and get her first championship as a coach. I didn't realize she hadn't had one as a player. Um, and she was on some great teams and was unable yeah. to get it as a player. So she's got a little bit of motivation to get this team. She knows what it feels to lose. So Absolutely. If there's so, anybody that can can relay the message to the team, I think she's going to be that one, and and she was a phenomenal player. So what about the UConn Huskies uh, facing Stanford? This is the UConn's 14th straight Final Four appearance. 14 straight, Ron. Yeah, I know. In college sports, unheard. <clears throat> yeah, you know, I mean, you got to think that they they can they can win this, right? Because they've been like you know, a top team for so long. Um, I'm not sure. I think, I think the other teams have started to catch up Yeah, and I think they're on to, onto his game. But it's just amazing that you can have that kind of run for that long. Yeah. You know, when you you talk about players in college, obviously coming and going and you know, for 14 years, that's, that's, you know, what three draft, three um, graduating classes. And you were able to think about it, you know, because you start out, you know, in a winning situation with UConn, you're going to get all the, the top recruits. Yeah. Let's be honest. Like, they get all the top recruits. But now people are starting to figure out if, if we play this game this way, it seems to work. And if we can get, like, one recruit, if we can convince one recruit that would normally go to Connecticut, yeah, and if we can get that recruit and we can explain that if we play this kind of type of game, your type of game, we can beat UConn and then we will go down in history for beating them. And that is how they turn the tide against, you know, UConn. And I think a few of these teams can do it, including their opponent. Yeah, well, we'll make our predictions shortly. So let's go to our face-off. And our face-off is about the ghost runner in Major League Baseball. So the ghost runner rule is where you automatically place a runner on second base to start extra innings in an effort to shorten the games. 
so this rule came into effect last year. They voted it to have, be back this year. So ultimately, what we're trying to do is see where you're at on this opinion, and I'll argue the other way. So you, because you are first, my friend, this week, you get to pick if you're for the rule or against the rule. Um, I guess I'll be against the rule. You're against the rule, so I am for the rule. Okay, so go ahead. I don't, I don't know. I'm indifferent. <laughs> um. All right. First of all, oh wait, do you have the timer? Timer? Oh, I got it. Go ahead. Okay. So first of all, um, being a purist of the game, I do not like just putting a guy on second base and trying to get him in because all you need is a sacrifice bunt and then a fly ball and then that run scores that is just total crap you know nobody earned to get to second base you didn't earn it there's no freebies in baseball oh boy easy time you know like look like you you want to shorten the game make pitches pitch faster you know Get the guy in the freaking box, the batter's box, instead of fixing your glove and scratching your crotch and doing so all here, that stuff. Here's why you need to be for it. No. And this is why you need to be for it. No. After four hours of watching a baseball game, put a guy on second and end this game, please, because I can't go another hour and a half. But that's not what's happening. They're still so, going to like three more need, innings after that. Need, it has nothing to do, to do with that. To make sure that they're putting runs on the board. You saw shorter games last year. It makes sense. It adds pressure to the pitching because now the pitcher has to worry about a guy on second. With yes, but it's still in. going an average of three or four more innings because both teams are scoring the run all the time. Because Look. all it takes is a bunt and a fly ball. Look. It's, it's a great rule. It's a great It's role. stupid. No, it's, it's a, a terrible rule. I honestly role. don't agree with it, but all right. See? So I, so I won. There it is. I'll give you that one. So it's an impossible one to argue because it's (laughs) it's dumb. It's a dumb rule. So once again, if you enjoy what you're watching, check us out every Friday night. It's like when we argued the DH rule and you were, (laughs) you know, against, you know, that. And it's like, I I agree with that. that I was the purest one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're live on Rhode Island Broadcasting every Friday night at 6 p.m. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. You can follow us on social media at Sports Unfolded on Facebook and Twitter at Broadcasting RI on Twitter, Sports underscore Unfolded on Instagram. Don't have time to watch, listen to us on our podcasts on Amazon, Anchor, Google, Spotify, and now tune in. You can follow us on Discord, on Rhode Island Broadcasting, and Sports Unfolded. Those links are coming up. There we go. Discord, uh, Rhode Island Broadcasting, which will show you all of the Rhode Island broadcasting shows. And if you want exclusive, just the sports unfolded, there's your link as well. If you'd like to sponsor the show, ribroadcasting.media at gmail.com. You can sponsor the show. We'd love to be able to advertise for you, get thousands of eyes on your business, and also help us continue to grow. And then Ron can bring out his his radio voice. And today's show is sponsored by... We're trying to sell this thing, buddy. We're trying to sell it. Don't. So our number one segment on this show is always our pick and roll. I love this. I, I tried to give you some love here with some hockey. I saw that. I was like, so, wait, 
We Is he feeling doing, okay? Yes. Number 13. Actually, we didn't even change the title. So it's just like episode 12. But we are in episode 13. Oh, wait. I can. Oh, I can't do it now. No. So slapstick comedies. But that's all right. We, I'll I, change that's it. That's pop ascension, too. I just noticed that. Well. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's all right. Look, so we are ranking the number 13s in NHL history. And they're Pavel Dushak. No, not no, even close. I, I knew I wasn't going <laughs> to. You know when I remember him from Detroit, right? That's yuck. Yeah. Yes. Matt's yes. Matt Sundin. Yep. Temu Salani. Yep. Slava Kazalov. Slava Kozlov. Or Viashlo. And and Bill and Bill Guerin. Bill Guerin. I was close. I almost got that one. That was the easiest. Out of that the should be the easy before. one. I don't know. But listen, you're the hockey guy. You know this. But again, it's this is all about numbers and where we feel they stand. So um, you're first. You're number five. Okay. Five so I'm going to enlighten you. At number five, I have Timu Solani. Because he only was number 13 for his first year. Yeah. And then later he was number year. eight the rest yeah. of the way. Yeah. So that seventy-six goal season was seven. It was pretty impressive. He did. He did end his career as thirteen. I think in between, it was like a sandwich thing. Yeah. Well. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. But so I put him. Not a as true default. thirteen to you. Okay. But I will read off his numbers because these are freaking great numbers. So one thousand four hundred fifty-one games played, six hundred and eighty-four goals scored, seven hundred and seventy-three assists. He averaged more than a point a game. Um, he was a plus 95. Mm. He had one Stanley Cup win, uh, four-time All-Star, which if you add up all the others, came out to four. Yeah. One Calder Trophy and one Rocket Richard Trophy, which is for the most goals in a season. Um, he was a phenomenal player. Hall of Famer. One of the best players to ever play, but wasn't a really a 13. I gotcha. So, number four, I have Slava Kozlov. 1,182 games played, 356 goals, 497 assists. He was a plus 96 for his career. Uh, two Stanley Cups. Mm -hmm. Um, that's it. Didn't make any All Star games. Nope. Hard to believe that he didn't make an All Star game. Uh, good numbers, not great, but good numbers. He was a good player. Uh, you know, a solid player. Like he's going to make a. He makes. You know, it's like getting that guy on the second line that you need. You know. Uh, number three, I have Bill Guerin. He's also a former Bruin, by the way. 1,263 games played, 429 goals, 427 assists. You know, he's a plus 57 for his career. I would have thought it would have been higher, you know, because he I thought he was a pretty damn good player. Mm -hmm. um, he won two Stanley Cups, and he was only in an all-star game once. Yeah. So, now, 
that leaves two guys. But because I am a diehard researcher with numbers, I pulled out another number 13. Okay. <laughs> I had to throw in my boy, the rat, Ken Linsman. 860 games played. 256 goals, 551 assists for 807 points, just a, just barely under a point a game. Like, I would take him over the other two that we just spoke of. I okay. would take Ken Linsman. Okay. And he was such a disturber. People on the ice, when you played against him, you hated him. Hated. This is, this is Marshand with less goals. Okay. He was a plus 221 for his career. Oh, very good. One Stanley Cup. So that's who would be my number three. Okay. Number two, I have Matt Sundin. He is, you know, if you take Solani out of the 13 category, he is the most skilled player of all of them. Yep. 1,346 games, 564 goals, 785 assists for 1,349 points, three points higher than a point per game. So he averaged a point per game. Plus 73, and I thought that would be should be higher. Mm -hmm. And that, that tells me what I used to see when I play, watched him play. Um, laziness getting back to your own end. He could have been better as a player. That's scary. Mm -hmm. Number one. Oh, wait. I he had no Stanley Cups, by the way. No, none. That's why he wasn't going to be number one. Gotcha. Uh, he's lucky to be that high, to be honest with you. Yeah. I was thinking of putting him fourth. Okay. But the numbers were too good. Two, two all-star appearances. Number one, I have Pavel Datsuk, I love this player. He was so good. Yeah. Um, 953 games played, 314 goals. Not a lot of goals, but 604 assists yeah. for 918 points, almost a point a game. He was a plus 249. Right, insane. Yep. It's that. insane. And yeah. what's even more insane is he's playing against all the team's best players. He is their Patrice Bergeron. This guy won four Lady Bings for the most gentlemanly player. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't get penalties. He won twice for the Selkie Award. And the only reason why he only won two, because there was this other guy, Patrice Bergeron, that won some. <laughs> he won two Stanley Cups, one All-Star game for a defensive player. A defensive player that can get to a point a game. This guy was a fantastic player. One of the best to ever grace a Detroit yep. jersey. Right yep. So, um, obviously, all those great numbers. I went a little bit different. Yep. So, I, I at number five, I had Sundin. Not winning a championship, I definitely held out and against Like I told Sundin. you, I was going to put yeah. him at four. Um, and then I put Solani at for based on the fact of like you said he's not a true 13 he was I, it was kind of sandwiched in between but his numbers are great i know they are i went uh 
I went Garen at, at number three. So we had that the same uh, yep, yep. with the two cups and the one all-star. I thought that was pretty good. And then obviously his, his goals and, and assists. Uh, I had Sla- Slav- Slava Kozlov, Kozlov. Yep. Uh, at number two. And I like the plus 96. He, he beat out uh, Garen. So, yep, and, yep. But they both had two cups. So I went that way. But Dasuk, uh, to your point, I mean, just all his awards – Plus the two cups yeah. and then the plus two forty nine. He had to be the best thirteen in hockey. Look, I, I, I like I said, I liked the Detroit Red Wings. You know, yeah. that was pro- that's probably my that's second favorite dominant. team. Yeah. You know, I was a huge Steve Eiserman fan, huge. So I used to watch a lot of the Detroit games, um, and I got to know a lot of those players pretty well. And Datsuk, yeah. like. He was probably my second favorite Red Wing of all time, you know, and and I'll tell you, he he is such a great hockey player, and you know, he's he's Patrice Bergeron. That's exactly, you know, I think Bergeron has a better scoring ability. Um, obviously, to me, he has six thirty goal seasons. Yeah, but you know, Datsuk was just so talented, and he played the best players every night no, so right. when you're outscoring those best players what does that tell you yeah that makes you the best player you know what i'm saying no, definitely. and you know it's like with sundin I, I i give him a little bit of a i cut him some slack because of the franchise that he played for toronto <laughs> you know you um because look toronto and montreal oof no i don't hate toronto i just they hate their philosophy I, yeah, they just go for offense and they forget about their defense. Yeah. There's other parts and of the game, yeah. so, like, I think he's kind of a victim of what Austin Matthews is going through right now. He's just like that. Although, he's a little lazier than Austin Matthews. Like, he could have been so much better. So much better. But he just didn't want to go play defense. <laughs> He'd stroll back. Okay. That's Somebody get me the puck, and then I'll skate hard. <laughs> So, so it was a good list, and I can see your point putting him down that far because yeah. I was going to do the same thing. Yeah. But but if I was if I was picking my teams out of these guys, I would still have taken Sundin ahead of Garen and and Kozlov. Gotcha. I wouldn't have done it with Linsman though. I, I think I, I think Linsman I would have taken ahead of Sundin just awesome. because of that that fun extra list. extra fun a little hockey there, a little hockey. Yeah. Um, and I and I like when we do other teams and stuff. Yeah. You know, I do like that because yeah. I, I it doesn't have to always be like Boston this and Boston yeah. that. No, like no, I don't no. mind. You no, know. We had some fun. Though. We have some fun with it. So it's a uh, prediction time. Prediction. So we tied last week. The so we are back. Uh, still remaining tied. I don't think either one of us wants to lose. So I think we're just going to stick with staying tied. About forty nine and forty. So fifty five percent. Uh, we had a good week, seven and three. Yes, we both went seven and three. And so. again, I might add that we are only picking the big games. Yeah, so that. we are trying to make sure we get some of the top-notch matchups of the week. Yes. So we are going to start off, and we will rotate again. I already picked mine, so I made sure this time again. Look, you, you people out there need to get on this list. Yeah, start making your predictions. We read them off. You type it into the comments, and yeah. we'll even show those comments. For the peeps, yep. The viewers, for the peeps, for the peeps. so that are really um, watching sports unfolded. 
not yes. not pop ascension. <laughs> so on April first, April Fool's Day, by the way. Oh, it, it is. Uh, so basically, so if I get joke. any wrong, I'm just going to say just April broken. Fools. Yeah, April Fools. April I love it. So tonight, Minnesota at Carolina. So oh, I go first. Huh? You are first. Oh, uh, you, you know, I am going to go with Carolina. Right. <laughs> I went with Carolina as well. Uh, I just think uh, Minnesota, as well as they're playing, Carolina is still the better team. So I am up for April 4th, Toronto at Tampa Bay. The Lightning have not played as well as they possibly could. Uh, Austin Matthews, we discussed. I think that Toronto's starting to take that that step forward because they know it's important games now. I'm going with Toronto. I as well am going with Toronto. Um, I hate to say it, but I think that game against Boston kind of woke Sparked that them. team up. Sparked them. It did. It did. It did. April 5th, Colorado Avalanche at the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, Colorado hasn't been playing, you know, like Colorado um, we expect. Um, I believe McKinnon is also out. Yes, he is. Um, so I am going to go with Pittsburgh this game. All right. I went I went Colorado. I still think they're the better team. Uh, I hope Colorado wins, to be honest with you. But I, I think they're the better team. April 3rd, which is my birthday. So I will... Uh, Get to pick this. Dallas at Milwaukee. Dallas at Milwaukee. I am going the Bucks. I, I, I don't want to because I just feel Luca, but listen, Milwaukee's trying to play at a different level. So I'm going Milwaukee. Yeah, the Buck stops here. Oh, very you know, good. like seriously, after seeing them against the Nets, look, they they want that top seed. Yeah. And if if nothing else, just to say, you know what, we are the number one team, at least in the East. Yeah, you know, and we'll see Phoenix in the championship. That's what they're thinking right yeah. now. I, I agree with you. And they are not afraid of anyone. April fifth, Memphis Grizzlies at the Utah Jazz. Jaw is still out, right? Jaw is still out, but they they've actually got a better record without. Yeah, Jaws. I know they do. So that's. But I like what Utah did to the Lakers. And yeah, I know. I know. It's just the Lakers. You know, no LeBron. No LeBron for that game. No Antonio Davis, you know. But they were struggling. I think they had lost four or five in a row. Yeah. And they were struggling. And now I think they have woken up. And I am going to go with Utah. I went Memphis. I still think they're the better team. And. Any of these West opponents, they're going to go through to make sure they prove a point. April 6th, the Boston Celtics at the Chicago Bulls. I am doing it to myself again. I'm picking Boston. The, every time I've done this, they've let me down on, the, on this predictions, but I'm going Boston. Don't let I me just, down. I just feel like they know the importance of some of these games now. And Chicago's playing good basketball again, but yes. the Boston's still going to win this game. Yeah, I think they are going to win the game. I think, um, look, they're, they're sore from losing that Miami game, and I think they're going to take it out on their next few opponents. Yeah. 
So I, I like Boston in this. Like they are not gonna just roll over. April second, tomorrow night, final four matchup: Duke versus North Carolina. Uh, look, I think this season is a season of destiny. I'm going Duke. There's no way he's losing to them on his last game. He's not going to lose the last game at home to North Carolina and then the last game of his career. No, it ain't happening. That team is going to be up so much for this game. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of bad blood after that loss. Um, Oh. So like I, he I was apologizing like, for that, yeah, you know. Yeah, it's like you don't yeah. need to apologize to anyone, you know. But tonight, he did. And tonight, I think it's at nine thirty. Stanford versus Connecticut, the women's final four. Yeah, I'm gonna watch I this am game. Going, I am going Stanford. I think the the run ends for Gino. Uh, they that's what that. I was leading to. Yeah. That the, they played that overtime game. Connecticut got by, but I still feel like look. They're another year away before they they, they just dominate again, uh, and they had the injury. So I'm going Stanford. Yeah, I also am going Stanford. I was leading to that, you know, when I was talking about um, UConn. And like I said, I think there's three teams that have caught up to UConn, and this is one of them. This one is of them, one yeah. of them. And the other one, South Carolina. South Carolina, yep. Agreed. Agreed. So normally how we end our show, Ron, we do our final thought. Doesn't necessarily have to be about anything sports related. It could be about anything going on in the world today. You're going to love this one. (laughs) So uh, you are first this week. I cannot wait. Your final thought. So my final thought this week goes out to Will Smith. No, not that one. Not that one. Okay. Not that one. Uh, Will Smith of the Dodgers. Wow, okay. This is how so uninformed people in this country are. They announced Will Smith coming to the plate, and the crowd booed him because it's Will Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Like, really? Yes, the actor decided to put on a Dodgers uniform and go out there and play for the Dodgers this game. So, yeah. Sure. He's also a different color. <laughs> okay. So. You know, you know, it's like he he is not Will Smith that smacked Chris Rock. He's not that guy. But because his name is Will Smith, the crowd boos him. That's hilarious. Like, seriously, Texas Ranger fans, seriously, seriously. <laughs> like you should you guys That's, are idiots. Seriously. That's horrible. That's horrible. So they boo a guy that has nothing That's to do with the it. The same name. That's all. Yeah. You know, are they gonna do that to everybody named Will Smith that no, plays sports? Because let me tell you, that's pretty common. <laughs> There's probably like three of them in the NFL. <laughs> so, in America. Yeah, I like so, that without telling so me Will he lives Smith, in America. <laughs> Will Smith of the Dodgers. I feel for you, man. It's yeah. not your fault. Don't take it to heart. People are just dumb. Yes. Yeah. That was a great one, man. I love that. I love that. I thought you were going somewhere else, man. I thought you were April Fools in me there. Nope. nope. So my final thought, and I guess we should be we should move to LA because mine's also about the Dodgers. But mine's about Andrew Tolls. And you may not know who Andrew Tolls is, but he was a former LA Dodger. They recently re-signed him to the team. He hasn't played baseball since 2018. He actually played on some of their playoff teams back in 18. They renewed his contract, 
to allow him to receive his mental health services and health insurance. So Tolls is a schizophrenic who was found. He he was arrested after being found sleeping in. Uh, so he's also homeless, sleeping in an airport. Um, and obviously with his some of his mental issues uh, was arrested. The team has decided to step up and honor a contract for him so that he can receive insurance to be able to take care of himself. When we talk about some of these organizations and some of the things they do, these are the things that get missed. They don't have to do this. He hasn't played for them in four years. But sometimes when we talk about brotherhoods or sisterhoods in sports, it goes so further than just the jersey you wear. And this is about them taking care of a human being who is part of that team that honestly meant something to that organization other than a number or a jersey. I just want to commend the Dodgers for doing this. Hopefully he gets all the help he can he can get with what they're giving him so that he can end up at least having some kind of a, a normal life. But I thought that was such a great story, and I just wanted to share that. But great job by the that Dodgers. Is, that is fantastic. And you know how earlier I was saying karma with the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, maybe the karma is good. Yeah, so maybe. Let's see. Hopefully. So I want to thank everybody that joined us tonight live. Manny, you've been uh, amazing. Thank you for the bits tonight. Thank you for uh, following us. All the fans that are going to watch afterwards, uh, just continue to join, follow. Uh, Ron, I appreciate your time tonight. It was a great show. It was uh, fun. And all we want out there in this world is peace. So let's keep let's keep fighting for that. Oh, I got to end the show, I guess, huh? No, that's, let's just keep <laughs> All right. Have a good night, everybody. All right. Take care.